It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The latest developments on the biggest stories, plus analysis of what they mean to you. Stay informed with Vicki McKenna on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the program. I'm Vicki McKenna. News Talk 1130 WISN. Here's what's coming up. We'll uh, check in with Sheriff Clark on the new civil war that a whole bunch of people are starting to realize really is going on in this culture. But a lot of conservatives don't want to admit it. The liberals want to pretend it's not happening so nobody pays attention. A lot of conservatives don't want to admit it because that requires them to think, act, and govern differently. And then there's a whole group of us who say it's kind of obvious what's happening. So we'll check in with Sheriff Clark on that. Also on the program, Matt Kittle's going to join me with a report he's got up at McIver Institute on the Department of Natural Resources and their spend happy ways. Um, is I need a confirmation one way or another if this pilot of the Penn fled, uh, fed blimp is seriously injured or he's okay. And we can't figure this out judging from the news reports on the blimp crash at the U.S. Open. Scott, you don't know. You, Scott was, you know, working at a, not paying attention to what's going on, so you didn't even see the video, did you? Or did you watch it? I, I didn't see it until uh, about five minutes ago. Okay, but you, now you've watched the video. Yeah. Okay. The pilot ejected. I mean, he jumped out with a parachute. And some reports are saying he's totally fine. And other reports are saying he's seriously burned because the blimp caught on fire. See, now, I'd like a confirmation. I don't know. Our Mike Heller is actually at the U.S. Open, and he's reporting to the Associated Press. He's, he's writing U.S. Open dispatches to the Associated Press that the pilot is injured. So I'm, I'm kind of inclined to think this guy is injured, in which case I don't want to, you know, make jokes about blimps. Um, but if he's not injured, then I do. I'm just saying. Um, I did at one time want to ride in a blimp. I think I may be rethinking that now. Although I know that they're fairly, you know, as far as safety goes, they have a pretty good safety record. But um, in any case, what does this say? It tells you that the media, the reporters, aren't doing a whole lot of fact-checking. That's what it's telling you. You've got, if you can have two major news organizations reporting the exact opposite, that tells you that there's a problem with fact-checking. Go back to what I said a couple of days ago about Donald Trump talking about apprenticeships and things like that. If you actually were an apprentice 
at a news organization rather than learning this stuff in uh, in college, you'd probably learn that the very first thing you have to do with your stories, your reporting, is fact check. Um, college universities appear to be rolling back on that a bit. Uh, case in point, New York Times published a piece yesterday. It's got a whole bunch of people um, hopping mad, including Sarah Palin, who is considering a lawsuit against the New York Times. And by the way, if she files a lawsuit against the New York Times, she's probably going to win. Because the New York Times didn't bother to do the most basic fact-checking on their assertions about the Gabby Gifford shooting as they were zealously attempting to tie Jared Lee Loeffner's motivations to Sarah Palin. Totally debunked and easily fact-checkable. The New York Times didn't even bother to hit the Google to fact-check its story. So... As I, as I was looking at a story that has no political element whatsoever, the U.S. Open story. It's a, by the way, the video is amazing. Go to Newstalk1130.com if you want to see the video. No political elements whatsoever. And yet you can get two stories about a pretty significant um, situation at the U.S. Open. A man might be very seriously injured in this crash. And it was a very dramatic piece of video. Or he might be totally fine. We don't know. If they're not going to fact check a basic story that has no political elements, like this one, what makes you think they're going to do due diligence on a story that allows them to bash Republicans or conservatives? There's not much of a hope there, folks. Just keep that in mind as you're reading these stories and you think, ah, this is true. I'm going to tweet this out. I'm going to share this on my Facebook page. I'm going to put this out on social media. This is absolutely true. You don't know if it's true. You don't. The story about the Trump obstruction investigation. The Washington Post puts this out with anonymous sources. How do you fact check an anonymous source? Because they're anonymous, they don't want their names associated with it. The reason why they don't want their names associated with it is because it's a leak of information. You're not going to get somebody on the record to confirm a leak of information. How do you fact check that story with an anonymous source? You don't. It's the new way of news media. The left is redefining words left and right, including apparently reporting and news. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk a bit about the press, uh, but also about this civil war that a lot of people see happening. A new, different kind of civil war, but a civil war nonetheless. Sheriff David Clark is going to join me in just a moment. I'll be right back. program. Sheriff David Clark is standing by. Sheriff David Clark is still sheriff of Milwaukee County um, for a a few weeks at least uh, before he moves over to the Department of Homeland Security. He's on the phone with me right now to talk about the attack on the Republican congressman at a baseball field in Alexandria. Um, Already you are seeing 
a, a, a rejection of what actually happened. Number one, that it was, in fact, an act of political violence. So far, only Bernie Sanders is saying it. Um, and he's being lauded for decrying the violence. But his recognition it was, in fact, an act of political violence is being is being passed over um, almost right out of the gate. Terry McAuliffe, the governor of Virginia, came out and said this is all about gun control. And even Republicans are saying things like we can't talk about the rhetoric. Don't blame the rhetoric. Don't talk about the politics here. This is about unity. This is about rejecting violence. No, this is about yet another example of America being in the midst of a civil war that many people are refusing to accept. And Sheriff, that's what I hope you and I can talk about today. I'm sure we can, and, and as we, you and I have a uh, are known to do, we we drill deeper down into the stuff that goes on the on the surface. I, I'm watching the ritual that's going on in D.C., listening to both uh, parties of Congress, the individuals coming out, and, and their usual uh, nonsense. And you know, I heard Speaker Ryan say, "We are a united country." No, we're not. Um, so, you know, when I looked at when I first heard this. You know, I started looking at it from a, a different angle, and we are a divided country. We are at civil war with each other. It is a shaking out, and it has turned uh, to political violence. It won't be long before Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, I would say within the next 48 hours, will start to blame this on Donald Trump and his rhetoric, and the rhetoric on the right. It'll turn to that very quickly. This this so-called show of unity by the GOP and Dems in Congress is not going to last very long. It won't even last as long as it did after 9-11, which was at least for 30 days or so before they're at they're at each other's throats and we get back into the ring here. But what's interesting is we've gone, I, I believe, and this is just my view, okay, but I think we've gone from a country uh, that was divided along the lines of have, have little and have not, and we've become divided along the lines of givers and takers. And I've looked at this from the role that social policy has played in this. I've looked at things like, affirmative action programs, college admissions, jobs set aside like quotas, no work requirement for welfare, people on food stamps, you know, ballooning to over 45 million, many of them able-bodied people, the expansion of rights for illegal aliens, the contraction of religious freedom, the expansion of rights for criminals and fewer for, for crime victims. This has led, Vicki, to a growing number of people in this country to become bitter and full of resentment and they are starting to push back. I think this started not just with the election of Donald Trump, but it's been growing. But I think it's at a fever pitch now. And you have the takers on the other side who are now um, addicted. Government has become their, their sole means of sustaining themselves. So they're taking from the public drop. They're taking uh, money away from people who go to work every day. They can't get their kid into the college of their choice because they're letting people in under the bar. They can't get a, a certain job that they want because of quotas that, that reduce the numbers uh, based on merit. And they pay their taxes, and they watch this as people go on food stamps. As people, there's no work requirement for welfare anymore. This is the, the givers versus the takers. You know what? The givers have had it. They've had it. And so they want a different way, and they're doing things within the system to do it. What, the, what was one of the things that they did? They try to work through the legislature. Uh, in the states, and they try to work through the Congress. They try to work through the electoral process, and we've done that. Look at the growth of of state houses and and state legislators 
legislatures controlled by the GOP. Then they went out through the electoral process and elected a president. And what does the other side do? The takers continue to deny, continue to resist. And that's what leads to this divisiveness. And then you tack on eight years of Obama who poured fuel on this thing. Instead of trying to uh, simmer it down, he poured fuel on it for political uh, advantage. And so when we see where we're at today, uh, I, I know how we got here is what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and, and, and say, wow, it's their fault. It's, you know, it's the other side and it's the left. That's how we got here. And the big question is, you know, how do we end this civil war? I don't have the answer for that, but I'll tell you what. That side of givers, they've had it. And they're not going to retreat off of this. So this is going to be kind of interesting, I think, moving forward with this uh, political civil war as to uh, who's going to prevail. But it has to happen. There will be no truce. Anybody who thinks, you know, well, we need to work together. And you'll hear that a lot over the next couple of days, right? We need to work together. Vicki, it's not possible. The divide, that'd be like during the Civil War between the North and the South, free states and, and slave states saying, well, we need to work together. It was impossible. One side had to win and that stalemate. And that's what If we're in a Civil War, you're right, then one side has to win. If this is a civil war, and I think it is, and I think you're right, then one side is going to have to prevail. The other side, I think, recognizes it's a civil war and wants it to be a civil war and is amping up this, is, is raising the stakes. And I'm not saying that, that this guy out of Illinois, um, you know, is some kind of, you know, field marshal in the civil war. He's a, he's a plebe. He's just, he's a participant sure. in it. He's allowed himself to believe, and this has been going on for decades. Well, while this has been changing American culture, the way, um, you know, people sustain themselves in this country has been taking place. At the same time, you had a corresponding abuse and assault and war on language and rhetoric. So now it's easy to dehumanize your political opponent, at least if you're a leftist and you hate Republicans. It's easy to see them as evil. It's You've been told this. They're fascists. They're evil. They want to take your stuff. They want you to die. In fact, this guy was posted on his Facebook page about how Republicans want people with diabetes to die and rape victims to be abused and not have insurance, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really, when you combine all these things together, does it surprise anybody that somebody might take a look at what just happened at Berkeley or Ferguson or Baltimore and say, hey, violence is okay. If that's what it takes, you know, that's what it's going to take. I remember making that, making that argument when I was in college and a Marxist defending Che Guevara. So, I mean, that's part of their that's part of their their history. And, and I mean, to not see that this could get really bad is stupid. Sure. sure. And, and obviously the role that social media plays, that's become a big topic of discussion. I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. It does play a role, but I, I think that's a longer discussion for another time. But the only people who seem to be surprised by this are the people inside the Beltway bubble. They're so disconnected from what's going on back home. They are so disconnected from people at ground level that they seem to be surprised that this has come to, you know, an incident, an incident of, you know, what happened today. But remember after the uh, GOP, through the uh, constitutional legislative process, when they put forth the, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the health care bill, the repeal and replace, remember what Chuck Schumer said? He said people are going to die. So you look at that. You listen to this, like you said, this inflammatory rhetoric. And for some people who don't know how to process this stuff or have an inability to process it, you know, they see it as this, this, um, you know, this a 
alarmist rhetoric as, as a call to action. A call it is. To arms, you know, to do the kind of thing that they did today. You and I can process it. I know that when Chuck Schumer said that, that was nothing more than alarmist rhetoric. I can process that. He didn't really mean it. He's trying to win a political argument. But a goof like this guy today, and I realize the investigations are ongoing. We don't know everything about him, but we know a few things now. And, and I'll say this. Remember what the left did to us over Dylan Roof? The guy who went into the, the church in Charleston, South Carolina, and mowed down black people in prayer? Blame that on us, on our side. The right. Instantly. Blamed it on, yeah, conservatives. Blamed it on Republicans. And, and, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to so much today say, now it's your turn. But the fact is, they seize on those opportunities. And like you said, their automatic default, McCullough says, well, it's gun control. That's their automatic default. They look to for political gain out of a tragedy. They look for political gain. This, this is how soulless these people are. Listen, Instead though. Instead of saying, all right, let's put it down just for a while. We know we're going to resume this, but let's put it down for a while. No, right into it. Pull out the, the political sheet. Let's see what we can win here from a political argument over this incident. By the way, your, your, your point about already blaming Trump's rhetoric is, is I mean, you can already see it. Um, that's already taking place. On Dylan Roof, though, Dylan Roof and, uh, and, and uh, Michael Page, the, the guy who shot up the Sikh temple, instantly it was the motivation for those two acts of, of murder that was rejected. The motivation was identified and rejected. We don't even allow the identification of the motivation for a guy like like James Hodgkinson. Or if you think Vester Lee Flanagan or Floyd Corker. I mean, these are all people who have, who have committed acts of violence in the name of their politics in a viral, you know, disturbed belief that they were spoon-fed from the left. We're not even allowed to call out their motivation. We're also not allowed to do it if it's a jihad, an act of jihad violence. We're not allowed to call out the motivation. When it was Dylan Roof and Michael Page, we identified the motivation and instantly rejected it. So quickly, sure. the, all the left had left was politics. Um, but we can't, they won't allow us to identify these political motivations. That's why I thought it was so remarkable. Bernie Sanders actually said it. He'll probably stop saying it. But that's why I thought right. it was You're so remarkable it. today. He'll walk that back. But, you know, my point with the, uh, the Dylan Roof is not to draw a parallel. And, and it's Charleston uh, church shooting. It wasn't to draw a parallel, but it was to show that the left had no intention whatsoever. Even during this period right now, you'll see uh, uh, them congressmen and congresswomen say, yeah, we need, to, uh, we need to stop and we need to, you know, check ourselves. That'll go on for, I'd say, maybe 48 hours because what the left is hoping that the dialing back of any political rhetoric is going to occur on the right. And you already heard, you know, mentioning some of the things coming out of the mouth today that, oh, yeah, we need to work together. They're hoping that our side blinks once again, as they usually do, at least our side in Congress. But I'll tell you what, at ground level, this givers and takers and what the, what the givers, the resentment and the bitterness over what has happened over the last, and, and I'm not talking about a couple of years. This has gone on for the last 25, 30 years, social policy expansion that takes money from people who earned it and people it belongs to and give it to people who have not. They are not going to retreat over this. I That's agree with you. It, 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 they're not going to do it. Sheriff David Clark, as always, it's great to have you on my program. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's always my pleasure. Thank you. We'll take a quick break and be right back.
back to the program. Matt Kittle is in my studio. We've got a couple of things to talk about on the program. How you doing, Matt? I am well because I am now out of the Capitol. What? Well, I, I've been reading your dispatches from the... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Great dome of wisdom. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm looking here at the, quote, breakdown of civility in the Assembly Fellowship, the ironically fellowship. timed to coincide with... The breakdown of civility in America and a man, a mad gunman trying to murder a bunch of GOP congressmen. Yeah. The rhetoric, you know, sort of incendiary rhetoric aside, what it seems to me that we have going on, and I was just chatting with uh, Sheriff Clark about this, he doesn't really have an answer to how you stop it. I, I, I'm spitballing ideas on how to stop this, but what seems to be happening is for decades now, we've had the political left radicalizing itself and in the process of radicalizing itself it's necessarily dehumanizing their political opponents the political opponents are people like me so and i've noticed this going way back more than a decade and a half just encountering union thugs from well before the act 10 uprising and it's the I hope you get gang raped. I, you know, I hope your mother dies. You know, these kinds of things. If you can, if you can over time convince people that their political opponents are actually evil, you can convince people that violence is an acceptable solution to their political problems. And the left is now overtly saying that. So I guess my, my, my idea was, to find a way to force America back into a place, and I mean force, where it respects free debate and the free marketplace of ideas. And if that takes laws and that takes extra effort, we got to do it. It's going to take legislation. There's no doubt about it. It's going it. to take legislation. You, you can't have a one-sided conversation. That's the problem. That's what the left wants to do. They want a one-sided con- conversation. They want to control the, the, the complete message. And that's just not how a representative democracy works. Or It can't work that way. That's not how the First Amendment was designed to work. It's designed to be a marketplace of ideas. And if we lose that marketplace of ideas, ideas, we lose representative democracy. I think the problem with the incendiary rhetoric, I actually don't have much of a problem with incendiary rhetoric. The problem with the incendiary rhetoric on the left is that there isn't a counter on, you know, in the greater culture, when you've got the media, you've got people like Nancy Pelosi. She's already blaming Republicans. Um, you've got folks who are out there saying, you know, that the Orlando nightclub shooting is because a, a an Islamic, an Islamic fascist was upset that Donald Trump didn't want men in women's bathrooms. Mm. You know, when, when you can recreate reality and the media is not providing a watchdog role any longer and they are simply the pom-pom squad for the recreation of reality, this postmodern reality. Um, where is the counterbalance? Where is the free marketplace of ideas? How does it functionally exist? In Wisconsin, it, it still, to this day, is not common knowledge that the government of Wisconsin, 
attempted to throw conservatives in prison for speaking. That that says it all right there, that in the state of Wisconsin, doing something that Hans von Spakovsky, you know, uh, and I know well, uh, respect uh, as one of the great constitutional minds of this country. His father grew up behind the Iron Curtain. His mother grew up in Nazi Germany. He said if they were alive today, they they would recognize Wisconsin as those places during the John Doe crisis. And it was nothing less than a John Doe crisis because it was the the killing of, of free speech, of, of basic fundamental Killed dead rights. if they had their way. It would have been killed dead. And people would have been in jail for the crime of free speech, for a conspiracy to speak about issues they cared about. That really is what the John Doe investigation ultimately was. But the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel hasn't said it. The Appleton Post-Crescent hasn't said it. The Beloit Daily News hasn't said it. The Wisconsin State Journal hasn't said it to this day. And they won't. Your uh, former employer allowed you to write extensively about it. Your current employer allows you to to still write extensively about it. But to this day, but for talk radio and your reporting and a little bit of national attention by people like David French and Hans von, von Spakovsky, nobody would know about this. That's the And, and that's the problem, I think, is that it isn't so much the incendiary rhetoric on the left, which is bothersome. It's that there is no way to counter the incendiary rhetoric on the left because you've got the left looking to choke off avenues of free debate and free speech. Yeah. Look, my concern, and, and I, I brought it up earlier today, and I'm going to bring it up again today. My concern is that we get so much into the incendiary part of it, which is very much present in, a, in an operating philosophy on the left, to take that into action, right? To actualize and to, and to craft their reality, make the reality. The problem is, I want at the end of the day the right for the right and the left to call out people as idiots. When their policies are bad for America, when they're bad for free markets, when Everybody, they're bad for liberty. We should have had, we should have had a, two generations already calling out the, the you know, demonstrably awful idea of political violence Agreed. that is now embraced as legitimate political action by the left. For two generations, we should have had people calling this out, but we have not. Why? The, because in order to... For, for the left to have been successful and get to the point where you've got a whole bunch of people who never will encounter an, an alternate version of their own set of facts, like this guy right. in, uh, in Alexandria um, yesterday. In order to create those conditions, you have to have done a pretty good and long amount of work to either terrify people into silence or to choke off people's um, interest in defending free debate and calling out the madness. I, I use the example of Dylan Roof. And Michael Page. Dylan Roof uh, shot up the Charleston church. People who had actually prayed with him because he was a, because he was self-radicalized by white supremacist websites. Michael Page, same thing, shot up the Sikh temple. He self-radicalized on the Internet with white supremacist information. Instantly, when those crimes were reported and the motivations were determined, the nation rejected the motives. Today... You have the left trying to recreate this guy, James Hodgkinson, as nothing more than, you know, uh, a guy who who is the the poster child for the problem with no gun control. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he is, he's not, he, he was caused by Donald Trump or he's because of gun control or rather lack thereof. They don't want to allow us to identify the motivation and then demand as a nation we reject that. South Carolina took down the Confederate flag because of Dylan Roof. We, you know, universally from Scott Walker and every Republican in the legislature to, you know, anybody on a city council denounced Michael Page and the violence committed against the Sikh Temple in, in uh, Oak as Creek. As we should. As we should have. Why aren't we doing it with political violence? Why aren't we doing it with people like Vester Lee Flanagan, uh, Floyd Corker, this guy, uh, Hodgkinson? The left, again, is trying to maintain their stranglehold on free speech. Because that's what you do in the victim state. That's what you do when you don't have an answer. That's what you do when you don't want to stand up and say, here's the thing that struck me. Okay, everybody was talking about how Hodgkinson is a big Bernie Sanders fan. And Bernie Sanders came out immediately on Twitter, came out immediately and said, I repudiate this disgusting act. This is horrible. Well, yes, of course you do. We all do. And you should. You know, it's not. What, what is he going to say? Well, I, I hate what he did, but the idea behind it is, you know, well, you he, did, get he, it. Re, he repudiated the motivations as well because he was, you know, although he is somebody who is about as consistent, he's, he's like a, a blind squirrel. He found a nut yesterday. Right. But he did actually, he was the one guy who called Literally. it on the left, was the one guy who called it politically motivated violence. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he identified the motivations of the violence and he said, in America, politics is, you know, uh, we change politics through peaceful means. Um, not, I mean, Bernie Sanders doesn't believe that. I mean, he's cheerleading Venezuela. He's cheerleading mm-hmm. Cuba. He was a fan of the former Soviet Union. But it's a good thing to say. The idea that he doesn't appro- that he doesn't approve of political violence is absurd if you're supporting systems in countries like that. Right. But right, it is the right thing to say, and everybody should have begun to echo that. We do not engage in political violence. On university campuses right now, professors, students, student organizations, administrators are rubber stamping political violence as a legitimate tactic. Yeah. yeah. And until you asked, you asked a, a very important question. Why has this gone on for the last couple of decades? Maybe even longer. The reason it's gone on and it continues to go on and why we are in the state we are in is because this is institutionalized. This is something that has been accepted, not just accepted, but promoted as the only way in many circumstances on college campuses across this country where students, young minds, are forming their views of the world and where they take it. Now, most of those young minds, many of them, go from there, hit the real world and say, Damn, you know, I gotta get a job. I'd like a house. I'd like a family. I'd like things that are important, part of the American dream. And so they adjust to actual reality as opposed to the irreality in which they lived on these college campuses. But that's what's gone on for all of these years. That's why you have legislation moving through Wisconsin and other places saying it's time we get a little conservative perspective. It's time at least we get a little challenge to this mentality. By the way, this leg- and let's talk about the legislation I think is going to be required here. Um, I wish it were true to just simply assert or point to the First Amendment. I wish that's all you had to do. But we have we have progressives. Hillary Clinton, remember, ran on a platform that she was going to appoint the next Supreme Court justice to fundamentally alter the First Amendment to erase protections for political speech in the Constitution. Hang on one second. We'll be right back. Filling 
in for Belling today. I didn't even realize I was dragging I you in for double duty. No, I'm always glad to be with you. I'm always glad to join the WISN family, of course. Tell me about the um, the status as it stands right now of this legislation on free speech. We had two pieces of legislation that were introduced. It, it sounds like only one is currently moving yeah. through the legislature, and that would be Representative Kramer's right. um, model free speech legis- legislation, which is similar to what Stanley Kurtz has proposed from the Goldwater Institute. Yes, it is. And what is interesting is to see the, all the flack that Kramer has received for other issues, but that is the, how the approach works. Think, you you but, erode... Stay there for a second before yeah. we get into the, the, the way this bill is progressing. Mm-hmm. Representative Kramer, who was on my program last week... <clears throat> yeah, I heard that. Very good. Because he has introduced this legislation, and mind you, this legislation provides, uh, provides protections a demand for the University of Wisconsin system to create a structure that protects free speech, conduct an audit um, to show that it is, in fact, protecting students' free speech on campus, and then provides a cause of action for students who feel as if their rights have been violated. That is all it does. It doesn't mandate conservative balance or anything like that. It, it, It doesn't, though it should... Demand that the University of Wisconsin not spend $4 million on forced indoctrination training on cultural literacy. Um, It doesn't do that. For that, Representative Kramer's religious beliefs were widely mocked by Fox 6 in Milwaukee, Channel 12 in Milwaukee. It got put out on the Associated Press Dispatch. It went to Madison stations. It went to some stations nowhere near Wisconsin because... He he believes as as a as a matter of his faith in uh, that the that the Earth is younger than however many hundreds of millions of years or whatever billions of years. So for that he was mocked, and and now the left is trying to use his religious faith as a bludgeon against anything this legislation and anything and anything else. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me that they are using his faith against not only this legislation, it keeps coming up surrounding it. And first of all, what does that have to do with his ideas about the First Amendment and fairness and making sure that universities are open up to different ideas or at least begin that process? Because that's what this bill does, right? You said, it's, you said it right. This is not going to balance out what is a vast campus on the University of Wisconsin-Madison of left-wing thought, okay? it's a, it, The entire campus is a left-wing uh, uh, think tank. That's what it is. That's what colleges, yeah, many de- colleges across the country. De-emphasize the word think. Now we have to redefine the I'm word sorry. think if you're going to say think tank. Certainly. <laughs> but they like, to, they, they like to think. It's They're the a think, think tank. tank. Yes. Exactly. But that's what, but I'm not seeing it just there. I'm seeing it with any legislation that has anything to do with not only Representative Kramer, but the Republicans. Oh, well, you have a guy in your caucus who believes the earth is 6,000 years old. So how could he possibly uh, be counted on to understand the First Amendment or um, reforming burdensome regulation in the state? You know, that's where we're at. Yeah, I asked Representative Kramer if he was interested in forcing everybody at the University of Wisconsin system to believe, as he does, that the Bible teaches that the earth is 6,000 years old. And he said, no. I also asked him if he consulted the Bible routinely when he was um, looking at ways to peel back the regulatory environment of Wisconsin. (laughs) He also asserted no. Um, But again, this is what the left does. 
They say, you can't believe that. You can't say that. We are the thought police. We are the speech police. And, and, and if they could, they would throw people in jail. They tried to in Wisconsin. They are trying to in California. They are trying to in 17 states with attorneys general looking to throw anybody who would disagree with a, quote, consensus on global warming in jail. And at the same time, they are fomenting a, a, a defense of political violence on college campuses uh, where where university administrators are excusing violence. I saw it myself in the Ben Shapiro speech at the University of Wisconsin-Madison or Middlebury, uh, Berkeley, California. And, and again, what is needed in this country is not everybody just holding hands, singing Kumbaya and buying the world a Coke. That would be nice. It's free speech. And it is it is the ability for the culture en masse to say that political motivation or that guy's motivation for his bad act is something we will not we will not tolerate in this nation any longer. And if it's if but the left gets to be apparently the gatekeepers of what's to be accepted and rejected in this country. Yes. And it is ultimately rejecting a premise that says you are evil simply because what you believe. Yeah. And by the way, and it it's in, in a harmless belief um, about about someone's faith is far more dangerous to the left, to the to the mindset of the left, than a man who takes the ideas of the left, harnesses them into an act of such brutality that he nearly killed people on a baseball diamond yesterday. So what happened to the party of peace is what the question ought to be today. In the yeah, way. what happened to coexist? Hashtag coexist. By the way, check out my uh, blog today at News Talk 1130. Is it, no, did I put us on the blog? I might have posted it on Twitter. Um, I put a picture up of um, somebody who sent me a car at the border, at the Wisconsin-Illinois border, and it has a coexist bumper sticker and a hashtag resist bumper <laughs> sticker. Resist coexisting? Yes. Wonderful. The left deconstructs its own logic. Its own logic is also put through the post uh, postmodern um, meat grinder there. But that's just, you know, so it, what's the answer? It's a long course correction. But it is beginning for the, the conservatives who don't see the Civil War to start recognizing it's, wage, it's being waged around you. For the ones who do, it is to band together, I think, and and start demanding respect for the free marketplace of ideas again. And it's those those liberals who maybe don't call themselves leftists who still respect that we have this little thing called the Bill of Rights, and it's kind of important to you know pop their heads above the gopher holes and say this. You know, what we are doing here is not is not going to allow our country to survive much longer. You know, I want to hear from them, that latter group that you talked about, just like every time there is a violent outbreak of radical Islamic terrorists. I want to hear from the people of that faith, the, the moderate people of that faith, and say, this is awful. Call out the ideology and the motivations themselves. It's what we do when somebody like Dylan Roof commits an act of violence. The whole country instantaneously rejected the ideology, the driving mindset behind it. And that's what needs to happen here. And the only way that happens is you, I think you have to begin with college campuses. I think you have to begin with reasserting protections for free speech on college campuses. That gives, that gives forth so much from the left. It's been exporting so much lately. Um, that I think that's the good place to start. And then just sort of generally speaking, people have to realize that the answer to this guy in 
Virginia isn't to say, we have to shut down the speech on the left. No! Let them try to kill Trump in Central Park or in, in, wherever they're doing the, the Shakespeare in the Park tradition. Let them show themselves for the, for the vile cretins they are. But then embrace your ability to call it out and to, and to, and to make them feel marginalized. That's it. I want my right to call you an out. idiot an idiot. Yes, without being you know, fearful of being thrown in jail or accused of being a bigot or dehumanized. Matt Kittle is coming up next for Mark Belling. He's filling in for the Belling Show today. Everybody have a great day. See you tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.